Kevin Bay, that's all I got podcast. I'm on episode number five. Number five. Not a magic number. It's just a number. But that I've been yammering on this thing for five episodes. It's kind of funny to me. Let's see here. As I click around, stories I covered the past week, stuff that just interests me, nobody else, I don't think. So that's why I talk about it here, so I can talk to an audience of zero. Um, I mentioned before, I moved from Chicago to the Atlanta, Georgia area. So everything here is new to me. The people are new, the culture's different. It's kind of funny. The driving here, the driving here is horrendous. Now, everybody thinks that they're the best driver in the world. And every city thinks that they drive better than other cities. I drive a lot, or I used to drive a lot. I, I, I've driven all over the country, LA, San Francisco, New York, Boston. Uh, I've driven in DC, I've driven throughout New Jersey. I've driven in the rural areas, you know, of Illinois, Chicago, obviously. You know, I, I've, I drove a lot, you know, cause if I, if I can, my general rule, at least since 9-11, has been that if I can get someplace Within 12 hours, I would rather drive it than fly. My reasons behind that are that, uh, you know, you got all the extra time now that you, even though I have pre-check, you know, and I can get through security relatively quick, it's still a hassle. And you got to make sure you're there early regardless because you just don't know what you're going to hit when you hit the TSA lines. Sometimes I get through fast, sometimes it takes a while, even though you're pre-checked. Sometimes the pre-check lines are shut down for some stupid reason. So, if I'm able to drive it in 12 hours, I will generally just drive. And I save, you know, I don't have to rent a car then when I get there. Because most likely if I'm traveling someplace, I have to get a hotel anyway. So I reduce my cost by, by quite a bit by just driving my own car. And... You know, the cost between driving for 12 hours versus flying someplace for 12 hours, it usually costs me less to drive, plus I can take a whole bunch of stuff with me. Whatever it is that I want to bring. Anyway, back back to drivers in Georgia. So one of the first things I noticed when moving here is that the car insurance is more expensive. You know, I'm like, why? Especially, you know, I'm living in a suburban location, not too different from... The, the suburb I was uh, living in, in in the Chicago area. But it's just driving here is just a different animal. You have people here that either are going super fast. I'm talking super fast. I drive fast. You know, in Chicago on the Eden's Expressway, 
you know, I'm regularly driving 80 miles an hour. So I'm driving 80 miles an hour here. The speed limit here is 70 on most of the highways that I'm driving here. But I'm getting past like I'm standing still. So if I'm going 80, these people got to be going 90 to 100. They are moving. So you have that group. And there's not too many of them, but there's enough to make it, to make it dangerous. Add to that the other side that don't move at all. So the speed limit is 70, and you got some of these people going 60, 65 miles an hour. You know, and it doesn't seem like a big difference, but when you've got most, I think most of the traffic seems to be going 75 to 80 miles an hour. So you're flying by these people that are slow, and they do not respect the slow traffic uh, in the right lanes. They are in the left lane, they're in the middle lanes, they're everywhere. They're all over the place. So now you've got... Uh, somebody like me, who I'm most of the time in the left lanes. You know, if if the traffic, you know, say on a, out here the highways are pretty wide. So say on a four lane, you know, I might be in the second to the left lane, you know, if I'm not passing somebody because I can just sit there and cruise. And then the other people that are going a million miles an hour, they can just fly right by me with no problem. But the problem is, is that, you know, you got somebody going 60, 65 in a 70 mile an hour zone. And they're in the left lane or in that second to left lane. So now I've got to go, uh, you know, left lane, right lane. I'm, I'm changing lanes just to avoid these people. And in the meantime, watching all the stuff around me. And you know the driving here is bad. When the news reports here, they report on traffic accidents, you know, everybody does, every market does, but the accidents here, when they report on them, they're massive. They're like giant rollovers. There are trucks that are, uh, you know, rolled over and set on fire. There's guys jumping medians, you know, cars rolling over all over the place. It's just a different thing altogether, you know, and in, in the Chicago area, of course you have traffic accidents, but most of the time they're just regular accidents, fender benders and things. The accidents here are massive. Anyway, end, end of my uh, Georgia driver's rant, at least for today. Did you know, I didn't, that you have the right to resist arrest in some states? I had no clue. I, and I read this story in the Atlanta Journal. And uh, let's see, in the Atlanta Journal, Journal, they said, Georgia adopted the common law of England in 1776. Embedded in that common law was the right to physically resist arrest uh, uh, resist an unlawful arrest or escape from an unlawful detention. So this stems from a case in Georgia where a man was detained by police and the man resisted arrest to the point where he headbutted an officer and damaged the police car. That man did not want to be arrested. But it turns out, you know, and he had good reason because the police had no reason to detain him. And he was within his rights to resist an unlawful detention. Eight other states also have these laws. I'd never heard of this ever. According to the Atlanta Journal, in the Georgia High Court's ruling on the appeal, uh, oh, is this the name of the judge? Yeah, the judge, Justice John Ellington. 
He noted that at least eight states have laws in their books that say even if someone has sufficient grounds to believe he or she is being unlawfully arrested, it is that person's duty, duty, to refrain from using force or any weapon to resist it. Because Georgia has no such prohibition, the common law right to resist an unlawful arrest remains in effect here. So, you know, I don't think I'd be resisting arrest in that fashion, you know, but then again, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would more or less just go with the flow, you know, uh, I guess it depends on the circumstance, but I think in most cases I would just go with the flow and then uh, issue my grievance, especially if it was like a traffic stop or something like that or something simple. Uh, like I think in this case, this guy was walking home. Somebody reported a suspicious man. And so the police came and started questioning him. He didn't like being questioned. So then, you know, things just escalated from there. The police should have probably just let him go. He wasn't doing anything wrong other than walking home. But, you know, I, you know, I, I was not the best of children <laughs> growing up. So I got in some uh, altercations where police were involved and I was arrested, detained. I guess today they'd call it detained, but I was arrested, put in lockup. You know, and back when I was growing up, you always heard stories that if you made a Chicago cop chase you, you know, you you smarted off. Next thing you know, you're you've been tuned up and I've I've known some people that that had happened to so you, you just kind of learn through experience if you're going to use your brain, uh, try to work with the cop. You know, even if you believe you've done nothing wrong, try to work with them. So that way you prevent uh, yourself from getting tuned up. Now, is that right? No. You shouldn't have to worry about that ever. But the reality is, is that it happens. <laughs> you know, and even when I was an adult... I tell this story all the time where uh, I was going to college and I would take my lunch break. Um, I would go pick something up to eat and I would go park in a parking lot, sometimes in a forest preserve parking lot. Sometimes I would just be, you know, in a, in a strip mall parking lot. And a couple of times, uh, one time I was driving down Western Avenue in Rogers Park in the Chicago area. And Chicago police, they're, you know, they come up behind me, the lights are going. So I pull over and I, I, I'm watching what they're doing. You know, I, I was in the city, I was on Western Avenue. And if you know where that is, you can't really drive all that fast. If you are, it's pretty reckless. So, you know, I was well within speed limit range, probably going 35 or something like that. I look in my rear view mirror and I see two cops approaching from both sides of my car and both of them have their hands on their weapon, on their guns. So I'm like, I don't know what this is about. You know, I wasn't really speeding. So I don't know. In either case, when I see police approaching me from both sides, you know, normally a cop will come up on the driver's side, ask you for your license and registration, you know, and tell you whatever else is going on. But in this case, it's like, okay, so... As soon as I saw that, both hands went up on the steering wheel, and I just waited, you know. As soon as he came to uh, came to my window on the driver's side, you know, I slowly lowered the window a bit, asked him what was going on. You know, the other cop 
is on the other side just kind of watching me. And it, you know, I just, all I did was comply because the last thing I want to do is accidentally get shot. So my hands are up on the wheel. And this happened, uh, I believe it was three times in the span of maybe two years. And it turns out that there was somebody with a similar name, Kevin Bay, but it was spelled differently, B-E-Y, at least according to the police. And he was wanted for some crime, violent crime, and somehow in police database, his name got cross-referenced with my license plate. It was so bad, even one time while I was eating lunch, it was a, an unmarked car with a plainclothes cop actually pulled me out of my car, cuffed me, put me in the back of his car while he went and searched my car. And then he came back and I was asking him, what this is all about? I said, this has happened to me twice other, you know, twice before. And then after he did some searching on his uh, little computer in his car, radioing in to whoever he's radioing into, he let me know that uh, it was a, a, a black man that was wanted some other part of the state and somehow it got cross-referenced with my license plate. And he looked at me and he's like, obviously you're not a black man. I'm in, yeah, I'm half Korean. So I look more white than I do Asian. Uh, so it was very obvious to him. I don't know how, how long it took him to do that or, or why. You know, I was sitting in the back of that car for maybe 15, 20 minutes. But anyway, you know, he let me go. I went, you know, I went on my merry way. And then what I ended up doing is uh, changing my license plate. It's like, okay, I'm just going to try to wipe this thing clean somehow. And after I did that, you know, nothing ever happened to me. I do not believe Chicago is a resisting, you know, right to resist arrest state, or I mean, Illinois, not Chicago. Uh, and I definitely would not try that with a Chicago cop. But apparently in Georgia, you have that right if you feel like it. Good luck. Uh, there's a lot of COVID in the news. COVID, COVID, COVID. And there was a story on CNN about uh, the power grab that's going on in Europe. And I, you know, I've talked about this since this whole thing began because it was very apparent given the information that was coming out about COVID and SARS-CoV-2 and who gets infected, um, you know, who has serious complications. And it wasn't me. I'm, I'm in a low-risk group. Most people are low-risk. You know, probably 90% are low-risk. But when I, you know, I looked at that, and I'm like, okay, at least for myself, I can look at it, and it's elderly. I'm only 54. It's people with compromised immune systems. But I don't have any known health problems. You know, I don't, uh, people with uh, type 2 diabetes, which I don't have, people that are obese, which I'm not. You know, so that group largely is the group that is susceptible to not only becoming infected, but maybe having a really bad case of COVID. 
So when they started doing the lockdowns and the masking and all this nonsense of social distancing, you know, I I just had that feeling like this is not not a good thing. They're imposing all these restrictions on the vast majority of people when the vast majority of people will not have a problem. Or it'll be a mild problem or, you know, you will not, you know, you will not die. You know, I think it's over 99.9% will not die. That's not to say you won't have a severe case and have some problems later on. I know the percentages are a little bit higher for that. Uh, But overall, in general, most people in the world will be fine. But when you started seeing all of this, you knew, you just knew that, you know, these governments were looking to take away your individual liberties because they were calling, if, if you believed in your own personal freedom, you were now a crackpot, a conspiracy theorist, because you believed it was not your job to protect other people. Just like it's not my job to mow my neighbor's lawn. It's up to that person to protect themselves. It's up to my neighbor to mow her lawn. So from CNN, regarding all of this, they say, In France, for instance, Parliament approved a bill earlier this week that extends the country's state of emergency into late September. The bill allows President Emmanuel Macron to introduce a health pass, showing whether someone has been vaccinated against COVID-19 or not, as well as curfews across the nation. The move was seen as controversial by some of Macron's liberal allies. After all, instructing your citizens to be home by a certain time and tracking their medical information is hardly consistent with France's liberal traditions. Over the course of his presidency, Macron has been accused of drifting from the centrist liberal platform on which he was elected in 2017, most notably taking a harder line on Islam and immigration to compete with his top political rival, the far-right Marine Le Pen. It's not just France that's in trouble, though. All of Europe is in trouble, as the leaders of each country are just thoroughly enjoying the power grab, the control over lives in Austria, Slovenia, Belgium, and Lithuania. To name a few, there is serious concern that governments have misused existing laws to restrict the liberty of citizens. This is still according to CNN. In fact, DRI listed only Spain out of the 27 EU member states as a country of no concern when it came to parliamentary or legal oversight of COVID measures. The most egregious example probably comes from Hungary, where the government passed legislation that allowed it to rule by decree with no judicial review. Canada. Canada is arresting pastors for conducting religious services. Uh, They just arrested some uh, guy up in Calgary from the Fairview Baptist Church. Let's see. It's it's not the civil magistrate's job, uh, the government's job, to regulate or restrict our worship. And so we're freely coming together, peaceful citizens, uh, to worship Christ because he is worthy. This is from Rebel News. This is the pastor speaking. I don't really know. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches, trying to discourage them from gathering together. I think they don't understand that Christians are committed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of the consequences. So he's hugging children right now. The cops are all in their parking lot. They're there with their bulletproof vests, guns, masks on. 
It's it's like a street gang capturing a guy. And he, he goes voluntarily. They don't even, they don't cuff him, which is good, I suppose. But there he goes, into the car. Arrested. Arrested for having church. It's wrong. Totally wrong. This kind of stuff needs to stop. Uh, let's see, another COVID news, Bill Gates. Uh, Anna Breeze had a little thing on Twitter where she says, she tweets, I'd never really seen negative mainstream media coverage of Bill Gates before. Certainly, certainly not a campaign like this, so why now? Who knows, good old Uncle Bill is in trouble. Hi everyone, just some thoughts about these stories that are coming out about Bill Gates. I find it odd, and the reason I find it odd is because there hasn't been a lot of negative publicity around this man at all. This is the first time, really. He's the philanthropist. He's the good guy who's been, uh, been giving money away and working up for charitable causes for, for years and years and years. But obviously now this divorce is, is coming out with Melinda. Nothing Bill Gates does is truly, in my opinion, is, is truly philanthropy. You know, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, it, this is, that's a money-making operation. It's not. Uh, it's a nonprofit technically, but that thing, that thing makes tons of money. The investments there are just incredible. And uh, these stories are coming out now. Journalists don't just decide to run stories. They don't just think, "Let's look at this and do this story." They have been given this by a PR agent, by a PR agency. Um, and I should imagine. I don't know whose P um, PR it is. I'm imagining it's probably Melinda. Um, with the divorce coming up. Now, a lot of people have said it's huh. to do with money. It's to do with them um, making sure they get a decent financial settlement. They're doing it at this particular point in time. But I have never seen these two motivated by money, not at all. In fact, they're supposed to be only giving £10 million to their children when they die. And they're... Wow. I... She is a former BBC presenter, and I like watching her reports because she's independent now. But... Uh, you know, she probably has not followed Bill Gates his whole career. Uncle Bill um, is in a little bit of trouble. He pissed somebody off, and I don't think it's just his wife on this one. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, X Files, X Files. And I was, I was, I was watching TV one night, and the X Files pop up. So I'm watching, and in the scene here. Uh, the uh, cancer man. He's in, interrogating one of these shape-shifting aliens. That uh, it's one of those guys that sneak up behind other shape-shifting aliens and stab them with a spike and kill them. I don't know. You get like their green blood starts spewing out. But anyway, the scene is cancer man interrogating a shape-shifting alien, and somehow Chris Carter and the writers of the X Files saw today. From back in 1996. Here is the audio. What do you give them? We give them happiness. And they give us authority. The authority to take away their freedom under the guise of democracy. Men can never be free. Because they're weak, corrupt, worthless, and restless. The people believe in authority. Too true. They've grown tired of waiting for miracle and mystery science is their religion 
That's the key. Science is their religion. That is what has happened here. Everybody's talking about follow the science, the science, as if the science is some kind of a, a book you can pick up and read, a, uh, a chart you can follow, as if science is always correct. Anybody who says follow the science is just full of shit. You know, I'm not a scientist, but, you know, I, I took science in school. I took all other kinds of classes in school. You know, physics, geology, chemistry, uh, you know, to, to say that science is ever some type of dogmatic, uh, you know, list of facts is just a mistake. You know, science is, it's a process. It's a process to find, try to find some truth of some natural phenomenon. You know, you, you come up with an idea for how, or a, a hypothesis that everybody knows the word, hypothesis and you you test you experiment to try to prove it right or wrong and there are you know things that come out that um, look like fact it looks like this is the way the world works this is the way this thing works and then somebody will conduct an experiment because they had an idea that maybe that's not exactly how it works so they conduct the experiment and they find out, you know what? It didn't work like that at all. And you know that there are scientists still trying to fiddle around and prove and disprove Einstein's theory of relativity. Even, you know, nothing is settled in science. And if you are going to follow scientists, follow their advice, without using your own experience and common sense, you're just asking for trouble. These guys will will continue just to pull you around by your nose. Uh, the uh, other story here with science, scientists, uh, Dr. Fauci, again with the masks. Fauci with the masks, all over the place with the masks. Th this guy, you know, he... He's been troubling to me from early on, and here's where he talks about, um, you know, he lied again to the American people because he he didn't want to uh, send mixed signals. So he's willing to lie straight to your face, and when he does it, it looks like he's telling you the God-honest truth. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. That's an asshole. But being a fully vaccinated person, the chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. This is a guy that lies so easy, his face doesn't even change. I don't, you know, maybe if you look at a body language reader or something, maybe, maybe there are cues that he gives off. But when I watch him, he is so smooth at lying. And, and maybe it's because he believes his own bullshit. 
I don't know. But he he just, he'll, he'll look you straight in the face. I mean, when he was talking to Rand Paul about the mask wearing, when Rand Paul called him out and said, you've been vaccinated, so at this point, wearing a mask is theater. And, and he looked with indignation at Rand Paul and basically told him, told Rand Paul without saying as much, Rand Paul, you're full of shit. You're not right. Uh, what I'm doing is not theater. And then he comes out with this shortly after. This guy is an asshole. He's an asshole, and we, sh- we should not be listening to him anymore. He should, he should be gone. The problem is that the, the news media loves him because he sounds so reasonable, so uh, comforting. You know, but this is what abusers do, and I reported on this story here. It was out of the New York Times. Abusers. Abusers are able to manipulate their abusees, like a battered wife. You know, she gets beaten, he puts the blame on her, you're not, you know, you made me do it, kind of stuff. So as as I was reading this story, this came to mind. I said, like a battered wife that refuses to leave her husband, the population of the United States keeps adhering to the advice of their abusers. There's a, a man in a New York Times article. He's been wearing this guy. I really, I really feel sorry for this guy. He's so messed up. He's been wearing an N95 mask with a cloth mask over the top and goggles for 14 months. 14 months. Here, I'll read it straight out of the New York Times. Whenever Joe Glickman heads out for groceries, he places an N95 mask over his face and tugs a cloth mask on top of it. He then pulls on a pair of goggles. He's used this safety protocol for the past 14 months. It did not change after he contracted the coronavirus last November. It didn't budge earlier this month when he became fully vaccinated. And even though President Biden said on Thursday that fully vaccinated people do people do not have to wear a mask, Mr. Glickman said he planned to stay the course. In fact, he said he plans to do his grocery run double-masked and goggled for at least the next five years. Even as a combination of evo- evolving public health recommendations and pandemic fatigue lead more Americans to toss the masks, They've worn for more than a year. Mr. Glickman is among those who say they plan to keep their faces covered in public indefinitely. If that doesn't tell you about science as a religion and the fact that this poor man has been abused and cannot break the cycle of abuse, he's going to go until 2026 at least. My my bet is if he can't... if he if he doesn't get like therapy and is able to get over his fears about going out, this guy's going to be masked up and goggled for the rest of his life. He can't even make the disconnect. The, he, he can't see the logic or the illogic of he's been masked and goggled for 14 months and yet he still got COVID. I'm sure he puts the blame on everybody else. But if he's, if he's taking those kinds of precautions, you can bet your ass 
when he gets home, the moment he gets home, he's washing his hands, he's using hand sanitizers everywhere he goes. This guy's probably even washing his groceries and his mail. It doesn't say that in the article, but that's my guess. He's so paranoid about COVID, even though he's had it. He's he's like he he's like quintuply protected. He's got his one mask, his N95 mask, he's got his cloth mask, he's got his goggles. He's had COVID, so he has natural antibodies, and he's been uh, injected with the vaccine. What more does he want? He's so paranoid, so paranoid and scared. This guy's his whole life is ruined by the government pushing all this bullshit on him. And then uh, my last story that I had in COVID is that, you know, what is wrong with Ireland? Ireland has been so locked down and so draconian, almost like, uh, well, I guess they're just like Canada, where Canada's arresting priests and pastors. There was a woman, 66 years old, Margaret Buttermer, Budimer, I think it's Buttermer, double T. She'd already been found guilty of not wearing a face mask at a supermarket in Clonakilty? Clonakilty. I don't know what that name is. And sentencing on that matter, another alleged similar offense and new charge would be uh, were to be considered in Bandon District Court on Friday. I think the wording is a little bit different because this is written from the Irish Examiner. When Ms. Buttermer, a grandmother from the cottage, uh, St. Fintons Road, Bandon, oh man, uh, let's see, let me just skip all of that because it doesn't make any sense to me. She appeared in court last Tuesday. She did not wear a face mask, and Judge Colm Roberts had warned her that she would be in contempt of court if she failed to follow the COVID public health regulations when she appeared again on Friday. So she she got arrested, and let's see, let me pull this up. Oh, stupid. Um, privacy settings. Uh, let's see. So she was held at least in custody over the weekend for not wearing a mask. And the judge is pissed off because she's showing defiance. And um, he said that she's also been in flagrant breach of her bail conditions previously from for not wearing a mask. So this is Ireland. They can join Canada as just the lockdown um, COVID police state. Uh, let's see, we got found Everything was stupid COVID again. I can't stand it. Uh, let's talk about the pipeline. You know, I, I keep seeing all these stories in the Atlanta Journal, and the pipeline's a big deal here because that company's based here, Colonial, and and the uh, so many gas stations here did not have gas because people were lining up like crazy. It wasn't too bad where I'm at. There were some lines, but, but nothing too bad, and most of the gas stations here still had uh, gas. Like it, Maybe it was like one day or two days where trying to get gas was a problem, and the the price never went up above three bucks. So to me, 
um, you know, the, the stories keep reporting. And, and there are stories still today in the Atlanta Journal about how maybe 30% of the gas stations are still without gasoline. Now, I took microeconomics in college. Supply and demand is something very simple, and you see examples of it all the time. Places uh, where things like the price of gas, or say the price of a generator during a hurricane, where the government doesn't come out and scream that you're gouging. Um, I, I don't think they teach supply and demand in microeconomics anymore. And to me, the price gouging is simply the price rising to meet the level of demand. So when you have high demand, low supply, the only way to ensure that the supply of goods can continue to, the, uh, continue to be supplied to the number of people that want them is to raise the price. Because if you keep the price low, those with enough money will come and buy it all out, which is what happened. I've got a picture on the, on the website with a guy someplace. I don't know where he was, but he's got a pickup truck, and he's got was it, two, four, six, six barrels. They look like 50-gallon drums, maybe. And he's filling them all up in the back of his pickup with gas. And I don't know what the price is there. You know, I've heard the price jumped above three bucks in other places, but at least here in the Atlanta area, I haven't seen a gas station in our area here that went over three dollars. So at three bucks, you know, he's, I don't know why he's thinking that gas is not going to be available because if you believe the news and the facts that they were reporting, it was just a computer problem, so they shut down the pipeline. It wasn't like there wasn't gas to be pumped through the pipeline. They just didn't want to operate the pipeline because of the ransomware attack, and they didn't want it spreading to other systems, at least that's the story. So these knuckleheads, they run out as if gas doesn't exist. Now, they did report that maybe the gas pipeline would be down for about a week, but that it shouldn't really screw up supplies if people just go about their normal day. But now you've got idiots like this and, you know, filling up his truck as barrels, barrels of drums or drums of whatever, empty drums, filling them up with gas. So at three bucks, you know, uh, a 50-gallon tank, yeah, it's 150 bucks. Now, what if you bump up the price to $10? Is he going to pay $500 per barrel to fill up with gas? I don't think so. An, an idiot like that might do one barrel because he's just a paranoid idiot. But he's not going to do six barrels at $500 a barrel. And that's how you keep supply. Now, is that really fair to the low-income person that can't really afford $10 a gallon to fill up their car? No, but what that person will be able to do, though, is all the gas won't be gone. So say they need to get to work in the next few days, and you put in three gallons, you know, 30 bucks which might be what they might normally spend, you know, 25 to $30 on filling up a gas tank. And that might get you through, you know, the next several days. 
depending on the type of car you have and how far your commute is. Now, I can understand if you got a long commute, it's going to be a problem, but at least the gas will be available and you'll be able to get to go where you're going. So gouging is not really a bad thing if it's, you know, if things are allowed to float naturally because what would happen is is that you you spike the price in order to prevent all this hoarding of goods. And once that hoarding stops and the supply uh, and the demand goes down, the price can then naturally drop in order uh, to satisfy that demand. You know, so say you, you, you spike it up to 10 bucks, people are like, I'm not going to pay that much, so then they don't show up. Then, you know, they don't buy gas. So, so then the gas stations and the, the gas companies are like, okay, we got to lower the price so we can get more people out because we got to sell more gas. So then the price will eventually start to float down until the pipeline starts moving again, and then the price can float down to normal. Instead, you know, what we had were, I mean, there, there was a video of some woman putting gasoline into a plastic grocery bag and tying it up in a knot and putting it in the trunk of her car. I, I haven't seen any follow-up on, on that story if that woman like ended up in a ball of flames but just ridiculous uh and then my last my last story oh no it's not my last one let me cover chicago first chicago mayor Lori lightfoot sent out a letter to the media local media there in chicago she's coming up on her two-year anniversary of being mayor i like to call her the little dictator uh, because when COVID hit shortly after she took office, she just lost it. Now, she was already before COVID having problems because she didn't seem to be able to compromise with the city council. She liked to just kind of shout everybody down. She's kind of a bully when you when you watch her talk. She's a former prosecutor, so I guess that's just kind of in her nature. But she sent out this letter to the news media saying... Basically, she didn't want to talk to white people in interviews. This is the first paragraph. By now, you may have heard the news that on the occasion of the two-year anniversary of my inauguration as mayor of this great city, I will be exclusively providing one-on-one -on -one interviews with journalists of color. As a person of color, I have throughout my adult life done everything that I can to fight for diversity and inclusion in every institution that I have been a part of and being mayor makes me uniquely situated to shine a spotlight on this most important issue. I wanted to reach out to you directly to ensure you understand my thinking behind that decision. Now, just think about this for a second. In her letter, she outs herself really as a racist, in my opinion. She says, I will be exclusively providing one-on-one -on -one interviews. So right there, exclusive to journalists of color. So she will be excluding everybody except for journalists of color. Then in the very next sentence, she says, uh, I have throughout my adult life done everything I can to fight for diversity and inclusion. So how do you exclude and fight to include? That's the mental disconnect of, of this type of um, 
new racism, and the new racism is against white people. So what we should be concerned about, I mean, who cares if the mayor itself, herself is racist? People can be racist. You know, that those types of thoughts are in the mind. You will never, you can legislate it as much as you want. You can pass anti-Asian hate crime bills, laws, whatever, anti-hate laws. You can do that all you want, but you can never stop anybody from hating somebody else. It's in the, it's in the mind. You cannot legislate the mind. And racist people exist everywhere. I don't think it's a, a rampant problem anymore in our country, but does it ex- still exist? Sure, it exists everywhere. You know, discrimination of any kind, whether it's race discrimination, religion discrimination, you know, discrimination because you got long hair, because you got green hair, because you got a nose ring, whatever. Discrimination exists. What I do care about, though, is I, I care about institutional racism that's currently now being constructed in our government, but it's not against black people. It's against white people. And I don't believe institutional racism existed before in our government. Were people racist and the people in power? Did they do racist things? Sure. You know, we've, we have obviously the history of slavery. You know, and prior to the Civil Rights Act, black people being allowed to vote. But racism was um, used against white people in the past as well, against the Irish. Uh, Racism was used against the Chinese in the past, against the Japanese. But it was never written into our founding documents. It was never in, I know, the three-fifths compromise with slaves being counted for three-fifths of a person. That's a different argument because that was rooted in a compromise with the South in order to get the Constitution passed. And what that ended up doing is actually diminishing the South's power. But that's a different argument. In the rest of our government, our documents, our laws, racism is not there. But what's happening now with hate crime legislation and elected officials now openly discriminating against white people, this is the construction and this is the embedding of racism into our government, into our governmental institutions. And it's wrong. It's wrong and it needs to stop. And in, I've got a link to this. I've got a link to the mayor's letter on my website. If, and you read that letter. Asian people don't exist to her, at least in that letter. They're not people of color. They're not white people. They just don't exist. She doesn't mention them at all. So I don't, I don't know if she uh, hates Asians, but, you know, I'm half Asian, half white, so she at least hates half of me. So now my last story. My shaver broke. I have, let me see this thing. I've got a Panasonic... ES8243A. Gotta love that name. It's an electric shaver. And I use I use an electric shaver because blade shavers just cut the living shit out of my face all the time. It broke. The foil broke. So I, I can replace the foil. 
but that costs like 50 bucks. And what I really want is a shaver that charges via USB. Why don't shavers, why don't electric shavers charge via USB? What is the point of having the wall wart? You go look, every major manufacturer, the big names, Panasonic, Norelco, what are the other ones? I forgot their stupid names already. Um, all of them have their own proprietary wall wart. Everything charges via USB. My computers charge by USB. My phone, USB. The podcasting rig I'm using right now, the you can it works via batteries, but you can also plug it in via USB. Bluetooth speakers, USB. Everything, everything can charge via USB except for electric shavers. Now, it's not even like they sell you the wall board. Not like you have to buy it. And it's not like it even breaks or goes bad. But for some stupid-ass reason, they refuse. And I don't know why, and it's just has bugged the shit out of me forever. When I travel, I, I use these. I use this little tiny um, travel shaver. It's a cheap Chinese electric shaver, and it works just like the Panasonic, and it does a pretty decent job. It's not. I wouldn't use it every day. Um, it's just not that. It's not that great where I can use it every day. But if I'm using it for travel, where maybe a couple of weeks or whatever, it's fine. It, you know, I get by with it. And that only cost me 25 bucks at the time. I think I can buy it now for 14 So what's my incentive? Oh, I'm sorry. It, oh, it also charges via USB. It's got a little um, uh, micro USB plug on one end, and you just you can plug it into anything that charges via USB. I don't know if you can hear that. My dog just got up. So why would I pay 50 bucks? For a new foil and blades for the Panasonic, when I can just go get two, maybe three of these other shavers. I don't know. Just please, please, please make a shaver that charges via USB. Please. Ah, oh, what a week. Let's see. Maybe next week I'll have fewer. I, I always wonder if I'm going to be doing fewer COVID things, but everything's just so freaking nuts. Anyway, this this is, let's see. I said anyway 10 million times already. For better or for worse, um, this is a podcasting 2.0 compatible podcast. I will have transcripts with it, and uh, I should have chapters and chapter images maybe on some of these uh, later today or tomorrow. If you liked anything that you heard here, if you were entertained at all by my ramblings, please consider donating to the show. I have a link on my website, and there, there should be a link in your podcast app if you are using a podcasting 2.0 compatible app. You can go to newpodcastapps.com. Take a look at those. Let me see. Let me make sure that link is correct because I'm pretty sure that's what they said. Let's see. New podcast app. Yeah, newpodcastapps.com. And you can go through there. You can see all the different podcast apps that are not uh, 
Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, independent apps. That's what I use. I use, um, most of the time I use Podcast Addict when I'm listening to most general news or tech news or something like that. I'll use Podverse when I am um, listening to some podcasts that I think I might want a little clip out of. Because um, you can you can um, take little clips and name them and have them in your library on Podverse. And then I also use Podfriend. Podfriend is one that I really like a lot for its interface. It's It's got a very nice modern interface. And I use that to listen to two podcasts in particular, No Agenda Show and Podcasting 2.0. The reason is, is that I put some uh, cryptocurrency on there that has a like, cryptocurrency wallet built in. And what it does is it pays those podcasts as I listen. So I can also boost them. Um, so I think it's set to, let me take a look here at the app. It is set to right now 50 sets minimum just as I listen per, I'm sorry, not minimum, per minute, 50 sats per minute. And then you can give a boost of 500 sats. Those are Satoshis, which is a fraction of a Bitcoin, I guess, uh, using the, the, the technology here uses the lightning network. Um, so I use that to listen to those shows so I can donate to those shows and keep them going. And you can do that as well with this show. Um, if you're using a podcast, uh, uh, value for value podcast app, um, that, um, you can search for this podcast using there and, and send me Satoshis and give me some boosts. That would be appreciated. So go check those out. Uh, I think it's important uh, while Apple and Spotify and Google and other companies are consolidating the podcast space. Podcasting needs to be kept free and independent and accessible to just anybody. And using these other apps and uh, donating what you feel a podcast is worth rather than subscribing, it goes a long way towards keeping independent podcasts operating. So please, if, uh, if you feel like it, Send me a note at mail, M-A-I-L dot Kevin Bay at KevinBay.com. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin Bay. My last name is spelled B as in boy A-E. And uh, please send me a couple bucks. I'd appreciate it. And that's all I got for this week. That was a rough exit. Let me do that again. Hold on. Ah, there we go. Much better. That was episode number five. A little bit more organized shit show than before. Let's see what I can do next week. Stay COVID free. Have a good week. Bye bye.